says in Romans I was justified by the blood justified is a legal transaction you can't even come to God without the blood being applied to your life your faith can reach it but you to come and stand before him it's uncovered but when the blood's applied you can come before his presence and declare and worship him like you and I were created to do if you got your Bibles Genesis chapter 12 Verse 1, Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show you. Abraham hadn't seen it yet. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thee a great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot was with him. Verse 5, Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moriah. And the Canaanites was in the land. Skip over to chapter 12 of Genesis, or chapter 13. Verse 1, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, Lot with them, unto the south. Abram was rich in cattle, silver, and gold. He went to journey. He went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Verse 4, unto the place, again, place, of an altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Skip over to verse 7. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Canaanites, Perizzites dwelt then in the land. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, and if thou take the left, I'll take the right, you take the right, left. Verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes. Now watch this. And Lot lifted his eyes. The Lord didn't tell him to do that. Lot lifted his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan, well watered, everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, thou camest to Zoror. Then Lot chose him the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelt in the land of the plains, pitched his tent toward Sodom, but the men of Sodom were wicked. Now verse 14, this is where I stop. And the Lord said to Abram, 
after him and Lot was separated. Lift up thine eyes. Lift up thine eyes. I feel the Holy Ghost today. I just tell you ahead of time. And I didn't preach Wednesday night, so I hope you brought a ham sandwich because we may be a while. But I feel strong in the Holy Ghost to preach from this simple thought. God has a place prepared. God has a place prepared. If you would, lift your hands. Ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, thank you for your people, the opportunity to minister your word before your people, to your people. God, I'm asking that this word that is anointed to go forth. God, let it break every yoke, every chain, every fetter, mindsets even. God, nothing can change the mind. That's our choice. But I'm asking today that you would present your word to all of us. That we would come to a conclusion, a decision in our thinking and make a decision that we want to go to the place you've prepared. God bless you. You may be seated. Story of Abraham. Abram in this particular text. He is known as Abram at this point. He has not had his name changed yet to Abraham. And here God tells him, Beth, have put up 12 and 1 and 2 and just keep it up there for me and just be ready to kind of bounce all over the place today. He, he at this point, is just Abram. Abram, just a, a common man. There's no real... Spectacle that I find in scripture at this point. God just so chose Abram and picked him. I look at that that understanding or that principle throughout scripture. I I found it in in maybe uh, Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy where God says I chose these people. And he tells them, he said I didn't pick you because you were Uh, large in number, I didn't pick you because of this or that, but uh, I just decided to put my love on you and chose you to become a people. God doesn't look at our pedigree, and and I know that uh, there are times that he can. I know uh, the mindset, nepotism, and and, and, uh, is God nepotic in, in some of his Uh, dealings, you know what, I'm not going to get into that here today. I know that God is a respecter of hunger. I know that God looks at generations, but but it's every generation's responsibility to, to find who God is and to develop that relationship. Do I believe that because you had a mother and a father that lived for God and and, and does God look down upon you with a, I don't believe favoritism, but I believe that he does pay a special attention to that. But it's still that individual's responsibility to uh, make a decision. And Abraham is no different. In this case, there's no uh, lineage that would tell me uh, of, a, of a one ahead of him that did something great. God just chose him and called him out and he gives him a promise. In 12, 1 and 2, he begins to list it to him and he begins to tell him that I'm going to take you to a place. I'm going to take you to a land. In verse 2, he says, I, I need you to come out, but I want to bring you in. And it's always the, the prerequisite before God 
takes us to the place we've got to make room for him first. Before God ever brings you and I to a place of understanding in him, revelation of him, there is always a making room for him first before you're going to see what he has for you. Now I can say here today just real quickly go right into how it would apply to me and you. That's why when a person comes to an altar and repents of their sin, they're making room for him. Immediately it opens the windows of heaven and there's deliverance. But if there's no repentance and there's no turning to him or step forward, heaven keeps its hands removed from that individual. And you don't see the blessing and the favor that God has for you and I. You're operating on sheer mental and physical and human ingenuity. If there's anything good in me in your life, it's because a mom and a daddy prayed the blessing of God and we're living on old prayers or we're doing it out of our own ingenuity. But I can preach here today with a clear assurance that there's a greater place that God's got for you and I. And if you've seen good today... You've seen nothing until you walk into the place that God's destined for you to have. But in between that and, oh, there's a whole lot of challenges. Put verse 2 back up there, Beth. Leave it for me. He said, I want to take you, but you've got to be willing to go. You've got to want to go to this place. Now, here he is promising him a place he's never seen. I'm going to make you a great nation. He's not the father yet of many. He's still the barren man, empty with nothing in his possession to merit God's goodness, God's favor. It's where me and you are when we come to God. And many of us think that we, we're, we're, we're too far removed from that. But really, you never get to a place. Because even the writer David said, I entered into this world naked and I'm going to leave. What he's trying to say is, anything I have is only because God gave it to me. I didn't get it because of my own ability. I got it because the goodness of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God. Abraham is called to a place when he has nothing Dry, barren, empty. It's a picture of me and your approach to God. God asks you for something when you have nothing. I'm flipping the whole scales on the, I'm flipping the whole uh, mindset of how you view God today. God's not going to ask you when you're full, God's going to ask you when you're empty. God's going to ask you to come unto him that are all heavy laden and heavy burdened. He said, I'm going to ask you when the weight of life is at its heaviness upon you. I'm going to ask you for something when you don't have it to give. And God does it on purpose because he knows you don't have it to give. He's just wanting you to be willing to give it even though you don't possess it. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost today. Well, I don't have strength. I don't have the ability God knows that. God knows you're bitter and angry. God knows you are hurt by people. You have no even mental faculty right now because you can't get over the hurt of yesterday. And yet today he's saying, I got a place for you. I can't move, God. 
I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. I'm so aggravated. I'm so unhappy with just life. I'm so miserable. You're barren. And God's asking you today, even in your your emptiness, even in your lack of, I've got a promise and a place for you to come. And God's trying to use a preacher today to try to paint a picture of this place that he's got for you and I. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's about a relationship with him. It's about getting up in the morning and you don't have to face that depression. You don't have to face that oppression. You don't have to face that unbelief. You don't have to face that heaviness that sits on your chest every morning saying my life is a wreck and I'll never come out. I declare to you as long as you take a step, there's a place that God has for you if you'll move in that direction. He looks at all your inadequacies. He looks at what you don't have. And he says, I got some place for you. He looked at Abram and said, you got to get out. I'm on, and, and just, I'll throw this in there free of charge. Don't charge you no extra for this one. He said, I'm going to make your name great. God cares about your reputation. When it's centered in God and God's kingdom and God, you're you're valuable to the kingdom. Why? Because you're kingdom carriers. You're mercy carriers. You're people. Oh, come on. Don't let distraction. Come on. Stay with the word of God. You're a kingdom carrier. God wants to do something for you. And you're carrying that. God cares about your last name in this regard. I'm going to bless them because I want the whole world to see that they're my people. They're my covenant people. They're my child. And I care about them. Regardless of the valley you're in, regardless of the addiction you're going through, God has still got a place for you. Abraham said, come on. Okay, Beth, let's go. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. He gives him the promise. But he's telling him, I got a place I've got for you. I got a place I want to take you. Never seen it. I've always taught Canaan's not heaven. But today I'm going to flip that coin and say there's a place that God's got for you and I that you ain't never seen before. I ain't never had anybody come back from heaven and say, it's real, it's real. But something in my soul declares the word that was in Ecclesiastes that says, I put eternity in every heart and every heart is going to bear witness that heaven is real. You say, well, I just don't know it today. I'm here to declare to you heaven is real. I ain't never been there, but I've tasted of it. I've been in prayer meetings where I felt the presence of God like I've never felt it before. I've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. That's a type of heaven. If you've ever seen a miracle, then you got a taste of heaven. If you've ever seen somebody delivered, you got a taste of heaven. It's real. You got to play. Just throw it down. He got a place. He's trying to take him. Now, watch what happens to Abraham. And I'm going to go quickly. Abraham has to get his family and he begins to head in the direction but now watch what Abraham does here he builds an altar between Bethel and Ai the word Bethel means house of God 
AI means ruin. You and I are always in between the house of God and ruin. I don't feel like going to the house of God today. You're always in between ruin and house of God. House of God represents hope. Ruin depicts what the enemy wants to do to you. Even in Abram's promise, he still was making decisions. It don't matter if I came to you today and said, Thus saith the Lord. God's going to heal your eyes. You'll never wear eyeglasses again. You'll begin to see prophetic visions from this day forward like you have never seen before. God will elevate you to a place that people will call on you and ask. And as great as that word was, you will still be faced with a Bethel and an Ai. You'll still be faced with, do I do the right thing or do I not? And what God's trying to paint in a picture is if you can get to the house of God. Ain't nothing guaranteed, but your election may be a little bit more sure that something good is coming your way and you may have an encounter with God. I guarantee you this, you ain't going to have the encounter you would have at the house at ruin because if I go to ruin, I'm going to have the baggage of my mistakes and failures. God will forgive them and God will pick me back up again, but I'm still going to have to deal with the ruin I created. So I wish you give me, I'm kind of like Stalin. Stalin said, give me one generation and I can convert them to communism. I say in the opposite. Give me one generation of young people and I can put enough word in them that could change. You don't have to go to AI. You don't have to go to a place of ruin. God could avert some things in your life if you keep the main thing, the main thing, and worship God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He goes... Bethel, hey, I, he's, and here's what he does. He builds an altar. Now watch. I'm a, again, I'm, I'm really conscientious of time. He goes, build an altar. An altar's three things. One, it's your acknowledging. They built altars in the past, unhuge stone. It was never, till the temple, there was no gold. God specifically said, when you build an altar, you build it of unhewed stone. Why unhewed stone? Huge stone is you put man's hand to it unhewed stone is, it's stone made by the hand of God we've built altars man made basically I do what I want to do, don't tell me what to do I'll preach on that, don't come back tonight because that's what I'll preach on that way only the hungry come back tonight unhewed stone is, is stone and he said I want unhewed, he built it of unhewed stone just like Noah, go read Noah Noah was unhewed, it's there Abraham doing the same thing. But now watch. It is my acknowledging of God's divine right over my life. This is what repentance is in an altar. This is why you just don't say, okay, God, forgive me. And you go right on the back. I'm not saying that you and I don't make mistakes after we leave and God's faithful. We have to uh, crucify it afresh and repent. I, I understand all that. What I'm saying is my mind for repentance is this. When I repent, when I build an altar... I lay myself upon that altar and what I'm saying to God is I acknowledge that you're in complete control of my life. I acknowledge the divine right. The second thing you do at an altar is you relinquish your right. It's not my will but thine. I'll come back and preach another message. We're half dead. 
we're half dead. Go read the Good Samaritan story. I'll come preach that message. You're half dead. He was left half dead. What is he, What are you trying to say? I got a little bit of life with my will, and I got a little bit of relinquishing. When really God's saying, I want complete right and complete relinquishing. When God finds a man, Abram, if I'm going to get to the place that God's got for me, and I'm going to see peace, does anybody here want peace? It's not a trick question. Does anybody want peace? Raise your hand if you want peace. Does anybody want hope? Raise your hand. Does anybody want to see God like they've never seen him before? That's everybody in the building. What are you saying, preacher? God's given us the way, and there's a place that he's got for us, but my relinquishing of the will. And number three, when they built an altar, it was a sign to everybody I'm giving my life to this one God. And they declared the name of that God at the altar. Anybody ever tell you baptism in Jesus' name doesn't matter? And baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost does? They're wrong. Go read the Bible. Don't take my word for it. Don't trust me. Trust the word. The name is what takes away the sin. When I come to an altar and I repent of my, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. My sins are remitted when I come to an altar and I repent and then I go to a water and I'm baptized in Jesus' name because when I come out of that water, I'm declaring to everybody, here's where the name dwells. The name of Jesus is over my life. Like I said, don't, don't take my word for it. Go read the word and you, you'll get that revelation. And Abram had to do all three. But now watch. He did all three. Or he, he did it. He relinquished. And the next verse, I don't know where it's at. It's, it's Beth, but somewhere here it is. He went beyond his altar. He went south when God never told him to go south. Isn't it funny? When we get caught up in ourselves, everything goes south. And he went south, and God never told him to go south. He went down to Egypt, and watch what happens. He gets down to Egypt, Sister Gail. When he gets to Egypt, old Pharaoh comes and says, Woo! That's Sarah. Man, she's pretty. I think I'll take her as my wife. And Abraham starts lying his carcass off. And now that altar where he surrendered is gone. And the old Abram's back in front and center. And God has to come down to Abram and say, Okay, I need you to wake up and come back. Because while you're doing all this out here, I got a place over here in Canaan I'm trying to get you. I got a place. Go read it. Place is is just wonderful. Canaan was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a place of blessing and prosperity and the favor of God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11 says, and the eyes of God is always on that land. You want God's eyes to always be on you? I got to get to that place, Brother Roger. But I got to fight through all the things of myself.
I struggle with myself. I put myself on the altar. That's why the Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. It's like popcorn. You put it on, and it gets too hot, you pop right off. None of y'all know about Jiffy. All y'all know is Orville Redenbacher. I like that white popcorn, homemade, none of that artificial bag stuff. Y'all don't know nothing about none of that. Y'all still eating carnival popcorn. Living sacrifice. You pop off. It ain't never going to die. I'm never going to, my flesh won't ever die. But it never stops God from saying, come on. Come on. I got a place. I got a relationship I want to have with you. I want to walk with you. I miss old Adam. I know everybody thinks Eve was at fault. I'm sorry. Women, I should get a special offering today. Eve wasn't at fault. Come on, that's only half of you. I don't know why y'all. Eve wasn't. It was Adam's fault. True. Wasn't Eve's fault. She's deceived. If Adam would have been in his position, she'd have not got all crossed up. It was a man's fault. But God's over here saying, I miss, I miss my relationship with Adam and Eve. I'm remi- I miss that walk. But the only way you're going to get to this place, there's got to be a death to yourself and your will and your willingness to follow me to some place you've never seen. He never seen it. Kyle, I could see. I don't ever see in that Bible, but yet I know Abram's human. You think sometimes when he get, went down to Egypt and all that happened, he kind of, man, what's this really worth it? Is coming to church really worth it? Is all this living for God really worth it? Is me trying to live righteous and godly and trying to do my best every day to please God, is it really worth it? There's a place I know God's God, but sometimes I can't see it. And finally, Abram comes to his senses. And the Bible says in chapter 13, verse 1, finally, Abraham, he gets up out of Egypt. Next verse. Next verse. He went back to the altar that started it. See, because sometimes in life you take detours. And it don't matter how many detours, how many times you've gotten mad and quit church or started church or gotten mad at people. And God still says, I got a place. Even though you've detoured, you've taken turns in life. You've made mistakes. You've said things you shouldn't have said. You've done things you shouldn't have done. You, you, you sinned against God. I'm not minimizing it. That's the greatest component is sin. But even in my sin, he made a remedy for you and me that I can come to him and say, God, I made a mistake. I sinned. I failed you. And if I'll get back to that original place of an altar, God will take me to the place he intended for me to have. You see the picture? If I'll make the place for him, it will ensure I will get to the place he made for me. We want the blessing of God without making place for God. We want the favor of God without making place for God. I'll let him pray. He's the preacher. 
I'll let her read the Bible because she's the spiritual one in the church. When God's saying, I called every man to submit themselves to me. Read the word of God. Pray under God fervently and affectionately. Praise and worship God with all of your heart. God's calling every man, woman, and child to make room. All right, Beth, here we go. Let's go. Next verse. And Lot went with him. Lot's next verse. And Lot and Lamb was not available. Okay, here it is. And there was strife. The land couldn't bear them. Go next one. There's strife. They're starting to condemn. Next verse. And Abram said to Lot, let the next verse, Beth. Ten. Isn't it funny? How? God told Abram, I'm going to take you to a place you've never seen. Nowhere in scripture do I find where God ever took Abram, ran him over to Canaan, said, let me give you a glimpse of the place I have for you, and I'll put you right back to where you started. God didn't do that. And this is why church is not just a building or a denominational mindset. It's a, it's a place where you have a transformation with God because every time you and I come to the house of God, it's not me just taking up time or appeasing my conscience that I did some duty. God's got a place that he's saying here today. I, if you can somehow, even though you can't see where I'm trying to take you, even though you can't see your family blessed, even though you can't see your home put back together, even though you can't see your kids living for God and worshiping God and coming out of a backslidden condition, the place place that God has for them has never changed. God said I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. In me there's no shadow of turning. If I declare I have a place for you, then I never change my mind and I'm going to forever be pulling for you to get you there. So Abram never had it. But watch this. Now we have the first account. Lot, the nephew to Abram. He lifts his eyes and he sees something God never told him to look. God never told Lot. The decision was Lot's alone. Another lesson inside of itself. Lot was led by his own visual perception that God never gave him. And what are we looking on today? All right, right there, everybody thinks, oh God, he's about to start preaching against TV. No, we got more devils in a TV. That's the least of our problems. The thing that's after you and I today more than anything is there's something after your faith. And it's trying to get your faith to get your eyes off of him and put your eyes on things that God never told you. You're looking down a barrel right now saying, this is the end. I'm never going to make it. My kids are never going to make it. This situation ain't never going to change. They ain't never going to be delivered. They ain't never going to be set free. Why? Because I've never seen it. I've never seen somebody delivered. I'm going to tell this church again. You better get ready. There will come a day. God's going to cast devils out of people, and you're going to see it. You're going to see people that are bound by alcohol and drug addiction. You may see it today, but if you don't see it today, it don't mean God can't deliver and God can't set free. I'm going to keep my eye on him because I'm going to a place. I'm going to a place. I ain't never seen before. And he lifted his eyes. 
And they went, verse 11. Now go slow on this one, Beth. Then Lot chose in plain. Lot made his decision. Next verse. Abram dwelled in the And the next verse. 13. No, 14. Right there. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated. Now watch this. The word Lot means veiled. It says, once the veil was removed, Abraham could see. Once the veil was taken away, Lot was in position. Lot's another story inside of itself. But Lot was a veil to Abram that he could not see. I wonder if Abram would have failed privy to some things that even Lot failed to. Some things have got to be separated before you will ever see what God has. Some things have got to be cut off. Some things have got to be moved out of your life. I, I, I love family. But sometimes family can almost be a tool of the enemy. Lot was family. We're the sackets. We stick together. If they're not going in the direction God's going, that's not a good family. But if they're going in the direction God's going. See, he couldn't see the place, Brother Daryl, until Lot left. Much of our miracles and where God's trying to take us, God's allowed flesh to veil what God has for us in our life. For one reason, for you and I to push through the veil of flesh and say, God, I trust you whether I see it or I don't see it. I'm going to serve you no matter I see it. Whether you heal my body or not, I'm going home. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to let doubt and unbelief rob me from it. I'm not going to let things steal my praise and my worship. I'm not going to let things steal my prayer. You, you know how you can always tell somebody that they've lost their faith? Their prayer is just kind of real dull. They barely just, God, if you good to me, God, I love you. I thank you. But somebody that real, really believes it they're going to shout with everything they have. They're going to demonstrate it in prayer, praise, worship, and living for God. Why? Because they know it ain't nothing the enemy can do to me and there's nothing in my flesh that can stop me from living for him. There's no body. There's no veil of the flesh. There's no lot. There's no circumstance. It don't matter what may come my way. I'm going to the place that God's got for me regardless of what things. It doesn't matter even my past. My past is not going to dictate my present or my future but I'm going to remain at the altar and I'm going to let God take out of me what needs to be taken out of me that I can walk into the place that God's called for me he said he said lift up your eyes physicians y'all come sister Ashley sister Lisa he said lift up your eyes 
He said, where you're going, look from this place to that place. And what I feel so strong to tell somebody here today, you need to look at the place you're at now, but somehow lift your eyes and see where God's trying to take you. Here's the thing about it. I can't take you there. Because your place and your relationship with God is specific to you and God. I can encourage you. I can do my best to lift your hands and admonish you. Say, please, come on. It's a great place. I've done tasted of it. I've been there. I've, I've been in these places. I've had valleys. I've been there. And after 30 years, he's better to me today than he's been in 30. Every day just gets better and better. Oh, come on, somebody. Hi, Dad, let's me and you talk a little bit. He better than Crown Royal ever was. He better than Miller Lite ever was. He better than everything we ever did in the world was. He's been better than anything I could get in the world. He's been better. Stand with me. I don't regret one day, Dad. Not one day. You were a good dad. You taught us the right things. You taught us how to be honest. You taught us how to live right. But here's the thing. No matter what we did in that world. I'm going to say this. I know we got guests here, so I'm, I'm, I'm on my best behavior. I got a rubber band. Just kidding. God help your heart. To pop myself, Brother Bush, now. That's, that's my do, do good rubber band. Shut up. Be a good boy. But I'm going to say it because it's right anyhow. Saints of God hurt you. Preachers hurt you. Organizations hurt you. Or have. Won't, well, I don't know. You feel it. Away. My point is people. People you thought shoulda, coulda, woulda, doulda, didn't. It don't matter. All that matters is that I get to the place of relationship. God's come for me. Is it easy? You know, people think just because you're a preacher, you're free from temptation. My God. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. I talked to Brother Ewan, if I only told y'all some of his things he alluded to was temptation. You'd think the great Brother Merle Ewan struggled with things. You know why? Because we're all human. Thing I gotta remember is, is if I make place for God, no matter how many times I make place for Him and come back to Him, His place for me and you never changes. He'll never change, Brother Roger. I want what I lost in the beginning. And God's looking for that today from somebody. Does anybody want to just go to a place in God? I'm not talking about some mystical, far-out Walt Disneyland. I'm talking about a place in the spirit of relationship.
that you walk with Him and as you're walking with Him, people can say things about your life situations can go south and you just keep walking because I'm marching to the drum of heaven and I hear a higher calling saying, I believe in you, son. I believe in you, woman. I believe in you, daughter. Come on, lift your hands right now. I feel and hear the call of God today. And once again, God's reaching for some backslider. God's reaching for somebody. You say, well, if I do, my husband, my wife, my kids, my family, you know what? Somewhere in all of this, you're going to look in eternity looking back going, did it really matter? How much do we want to see our kids saved? How much do we want to see our community saved? How much do we want to see people walk with joy and peace and hope? Come on, if that's you today, why don't you come and join all these that have already come today unsolicited. This is what an altar's about. It's not me coming to join a church. I'm not asking you to join no church. You go to wherever you want to go just as long as they're preaching truth. But come and just stretch your hands to heaven. Lift your voice and say, God, I want to go to that place. I'm appealing to the hungry today. I'm appealing to the desperate today. I'm appealing to those that maybe you've been failed. It's like I can't see it, Brother Benoit. A lot has been there. It's okay. God allowed a lot. Come on, come. Come, lift your voice right now. Come on, just tilt your head back. Lift your voice to him right now. Ministers, help me right now. Pray with those here in the altar. I need some ministers, some preachers. Come help me today. Pray with them right now. Pray. Come on, God's calling people to a place of relationship. A place, come on, that the enemy can't touch you. I say again, the enemy can't touch you when you're in that place. The battle you will have is yourself. The enemy can't touch you. Calvary already purchased that. Hell ain't in charge of nothing. You and I and God. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, lift your voice. Talk to him right now. Come on, there's a place that God's prepared for you. There's a place he's prepared for you. Let's go to that place. Let's go to that place. It's in prayer. It's in worship. It's in loving him. That's why we lift our hands. If you're physically able, lift those hands. If you're physically able, lift your hands. Lift your voice. 